Welcome to Every Block Rising. This podcast is dedicated to the realization that our world was imagined by someone and that we can imagine and build something much, much better for all of us. Let's imagine and create together. Hello, Bernice. Hello, Teresa. How are you? I'm good. And hello, listeners. I'm Teresa Guzman. I am your co-host for Every Block Rising. Um, and I have such a special guest today. We have Miss Bernice Cabral in the house, in the pod. Um, we're so excited. Are you excited to, to be here? What's, what's up with you? I'm extremely excited, a little nervous, but I know it's going to go well. So I'm just, I'm ready for, for whatever we have today. <laughs> Amazing. Um, I always feel like when somebody's a little bit nervous about something that they're doing, it's always a good thing. Um, I know that that's the case for me whenever I have a, a big project or a big change coming. Um, but this is just like, you know, I get to chat with you for like, 30 minutes and that's always exciting for me. Well, I am definitely excited to chat with you and yeah, let's just get started. Let's just get started. <laughs> Renny's is like, all right, girl, like get it moving. Um, <laughs> so I always like to ask this question, right? So I always like to ask my guests like who they are and if, you know, kind of introducing yourself, like who is Bernice? Um, I've known Bernice for about, I think like maybe like six months. So not a very long time that we've been working together. So uh, I'm excited to also get to know you a little bit better um, so that we can do some more amazing things than we already have been doing. So who is Bernice Cabral? Oh, wow. This is every time someone asks me, like, who are you or what are you about? <laughs> I start to think like, hey, I mean, there's so many things that I can tell you. But um, who is Bernice Cabral? Well, first of all, I'm 25 years old. Um, for those that love astrology and zodiac signs, I'm an Aquarius. Oh my I God. was born <laughs> first astrology conversation for listeners. I am a Sagittarius. So you do with that information what you will. I mean, Sagittarius and Aquariuses get along for the most part. So <laughs> that's that's what I know firsthand. <laughs> Love this for us. Yeah, honestly, um, I've been living in Florida for about 13 years and, you know, I was finished being raised here in Florida. I'm originally from New York, um, you know, was born in Brooklyn and uh, my time in Florida has been interesting to say the least. I never imagined myself living in central Florida. When my parents told me we were moving to Florida, I was like, oh my gosh, like we're going to live by the coast, the beach, you know, the surfer boys, you know, that's what I had in mind. And then when I came to Kissimmee, I felt bamboozled. So what do you mean? The, the, the beaches of, of Orlando are so beautiful. I mean, the beaches are like uh, 45 minutes to an hour away. So we're literally in the middle. 
<laughs> but after that, you know, I took, it took me years to get used to Florida. And it wasn't until I was, you know, going to UCF down the line that I was like, wow, I'm so grateful to live here. Like, you know, I love the sunshine and I love the weather and, you know, the people, the great people that I have met along the way. And uh, that just brings me to, you know, um, thinking about my work and just thinking about everything that has been going on in the state of Florida. I graduated with uh, my bachelor's in political science. I originally thought that I was going to do journalism, but then I decided to choose a career where I can have more opportunities. And I graduated in 2019 and, you know, I started my political work, um, you know, interning for Congressman Soto in 2018. And then, you know, I met Alex Barrio and he was running for my district, District 43. And, you know, I started to get more involved with him towards the end of um, 2019 into 2020, helping him with his campaign. And then I was introduced to Marcos Villar with Alianza for Progress. And then that's just how I continued on, you know, getting into this field until, you know, working with you, Teresa, now in Florida Rising. And I'm just grateful that I'm a part of, you know, the front lines and I'm grateful that I am working for an organization where we fight for the people because that's just one of my passions. I've always loved helping people um, and volunteering is something that, you know, I've done throughout my teenage years and, you know, my early adult years and, what you can say about Bernice is that she's somebody that just wants to fight for change, loves helping people. And I know there's more that I can get into, but <laughs> I feel like I'm going to get lost. And no, this I, is, I tend this to is ramble. Great. No, this is, this is great. Um, I, I'm, it's so interesting. I was speaking to another guest Royal and he was also, well, he actually you know, worked in journalism for a while, which I didn't know that. Nice. Um, what do you, how do you, how did you, and I also was going to be a journalist. Uh, do we see a trend here? <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> like the, the pipeline of student journalists to um, <laughs> nonprofit activists. Uh, it's, it's very real. Um, how do you, how did you make that, that pivot and that decision? And like, what did that, what did that look like to you? How did you get from, from, you know, a, you know, journalism being so much like writing and, you know, learning about, there's a lot of like ethics stuff, right. With journalism and um, how do you convey a message? Like how, how did that happen for you? Honestly, Teresa, I, I was, I remember, I think it was, my last semester into my associate's degree and I was getting ready to graduate and you know I was going to Valencia College because I started my first two years in a community college and I transferred to university. I had um, two scholarships that I had gotten and um, the thing is that I, I started thinking about the fields. I started thinking about journalism and how it is today and when it comes to 
certain uh, news organizations. I'm not going to go into names. I think we can, we, we know which ones I'm talking about. <laughs> I just told myself that if I present the news, I want it to be something that is non-biased. And I feel like, you know, in today's climate, I don't know if you can agree with uh, me on this, but it's uh, today's climate. I feel like our, our media is very oversaturized with, with bias. Mm. Yeah, I can definitely, I can definitely agree with that statement. Yeah. And it's like, um, you know, it's already hard enough with social media trying to present clear, factual news articles to, you know, our, our community members. And it's so easy for somebody to post something on Facebook and to just run that to everyone. And so that is just what led to my decision that is like if I wanted to go back into journalism I could do it under you know poli sci and Mm -hmm. I just decided that maybe there were more opportunities under political science that I could explore like you know that interest that I have in government and policies and things of that nature so I just decided to switch and it's funny because I had a friend tell me not to do so (laughs) And uh, I was like, you know, like, it's going to be okay. I'm, I'm going to change and I'm going to find whatever opportunities that I can. It's not going to be a big issue. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of, there's definitely a lot of overlap, right? With journalism and there's definitely a big communications, like set of skills. Like you need to be a really good communicator. I think when you're thinking about, you know, working in politics kind of to that extreme or even, you know, being an advocate for your community. So I can definitely see the, the, um, a lot there, there was a lot of, I'm sure transferable skills and experiences and knowledge that you took with you, right. To, to the work that you do now. So, and it's interesting because you, you know, we talk about, um, bias in the news and, you know, maybe people would say, well, you know, politics, it's, it's corrupt, right? So what would you say to someone who maybe has that, that vision that like, you know, maybe they don't believe that the media is biased, but they believe that, you know, politicians and the government and the system is corrupt and it works against us. Um, what would you say to, to someone like that? Honestly, um, with there there are community members you know that I've come across when you know going out into the field and talking to them about voting and they tell me that they're not interested in voting and I ask them why and then they tell me you know exactly what you're asking me oh politicians are corrupt how how do I know if my vote counts and what I have come to terms with when somebody is informing me that, you know, politicians are corrupt. I try to ask them, well, how do you know, you know, where, where do you get your, your knowledge on that? How do you know? And, you know, they give me whatever factual information that they have. And my thing is that I, I don't think politics Oh, oh my God. I gotta, <laughs> I'm sorry. I got to be careful because I, I want to, there's some, there's a point that I want to make, but then it's like, um, 
I'm trying to find the words, but my thing is that um, I think when it comes to our politics, it's here in the United States, it's, if I can be honest, it's something that um, when people ask me if I want to be a politician, I do tell them that I tend to try to stay away from that thought. Mm. Um, and it's not because I don't think I'm capable of being, you know, a uh, United States representative for my district and, mm. and the state that I currently live in. It's just that I think that there's so many different things that we have been taught and mm. it, it does come from media that we've been taught or we've been shown and <sighs> do I think our, our politicians are like corrupt? I don't think all of them are. Mm. Um, do I think some of them have been bought by corporations? Yes. Yeah. Uh, which is why we see such a stronghold. I, I don't want to go in and say that, you know, it's a hundred percent corrupt because not every person in our Congress or in our local government is, is being bought by corporations or being told which laws to pass. But unfortunately there's a percentage of them that are. Yeah. So how do, how do I tell this to somebody that, you know, doesn't want to vote and they already don't trust in our government and they don't trust in our electoral process without kind of like sugarcoating it in a way is that yeah you have to you have to acknowledge the that a lot of bad can come with when we think about our elected officials and the systems that have been in place right because of you know that's something that we think about in our work as activists and working for a racial justice organization is acknowledging the pain and the errors and the corruption um, and just the things that are objectively bad for our communities, right? We can point to a number of bills that have passed in this legislative session, not only in Florida, but across, you know, across the country. Don't get me started. (laughs) Right. You know, but there's, there's always going to be, there always needs to be, I think, a sense of this is terrible, but it can get better, right? Yes. And the only way that things are going to get better is by getting people into office that believe these things and uphold these, right? Because like you said, there's no, not 100% of all politicians are terrible, Um, and systems are in place, but they can change and they have changed. Right. And that's through the work that we're doing and the activism that, that we empower people to, to do in their communities. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, and it can feel really, you know, sad when you are looking at the news and everything that's going on. Um, and but it all, it's all kind of cyclical, right? From bad things have to come good things. And that's, you know, that may be something that's out of our control. And maybe there's, you know, whatever faith you're a part of, you know, whatever power kind of holds it all together, right? Everything has to kind of move forward and, and go into a, a better world. So the, 
kind of brings me to my next question, Bernice, that we ask and we try to answer in this podcast, which is, you know, what what does what does that look like? What does a better world, what does a better state look like for for you? A better state. <laughs> well, first, <laughs> honestly, a better a better Florida, what a better Florida looks like for me is first of all, focusing on the things that need to be focused on instead of passing social bills that are taking away the rights of our people. Um, and what I mean by that is a better Florida is a better Florida with a, a better infrastructure, um, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a better climate in terms of like making sure that we are doing what we need to do to protect our environment. Um, a better Florida is a, a Florida where people are able to use their rights and not fear that they're going to get their rights taken away or that they already have their rights taken away. Um, like for example, the don't say gay bill, right? It's wild that we don't think about that in terms of rights. We think about it. It's like, well, the, the framing that, you know, lawmakers in the state have taken that are supporting this bill is like, oh, we're trying to, you know, help kids stay innocent as if sexuality and, being homosexual in this state is somehow wrong or is somehow perverse, which is so incredibly homophobic and just, I think, bizarre, to be completely honest with you. It's, it's, it's terrorizing. They're, how are you trying to protect your child from learning about sexuality, learning about something that comes natural to all of us? You know, they, yeah. they want to make it seem that it's a predatory idea to talk to children or to have kids talk about their, you know, LGBTQ plus family members mm-hmm. when that is false. We're not creating this open space. We're creating a space where kids are going to continue to feel unsafe, like if they don't already feel unsafe with how our criminal justice system is here in Florida. Um, With the school to prison pipeline, it's like it's a continuous thing that I've seen over the years where we're continuing to deteriorate the rights of our people where where people sit and think. And and now they're trying to use uh, talking about LGBTQ plus community as it's predatory and say that we're trying to groom our kids. And in no way is that grooming. We're just trying to teach our kids about multi different forms of families that live not only here in our state, but all around the world in the United States and in other countries. And it's, it's just mind boggling. And whether or not other, you know, community members agree with that is, is entirely up to them, but we need to educate them on understanding that if you have the ability to speak freely about where you come from, your traditions and values, all kids should have the ability to speak freely about their traditions, values, and the families that they come from. Yeah. So I just, yeah, I just, I really feel for every person from the LGBTQ plus community, people that are, you know, they have gay parents, gay loved ones, and just in general, right? You don't really even need to know someone that's being, you know, repressed to 
understand that it's wrong, right? To understand, to feel for them and to want better for them. It reminds me of, um, there was this big thing and I'm from originally from the Dominican Republic and I really, what you said about other countries, it reminded me of a very similar discussion that was being had um, back home where there was this big uproar about sexual education, but thinking about it in terms of um, like, like the role, like the role of women, the role of men and like conceptualizing it that way. And somehow it got convoluted into a conversation about the trans community. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like what? They were basically saying some version of like, you know, oh, if they're taught sexual education and, uh, and about sexual identity in school, kids are going to think that they're automatically gay or trans or whatever, as if it were this like made up thing that is a choice for people. And just like the transphobia, the homophobia was like, you know, it was very oh, apparent. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's awful. Um, and then you look at other countries in Latin America, right, that pass um, same-sex marriage into law, you know, going into kind of the, you know, in the same realm of rights, passing safe and legal abortions, which is really strange because this is supposed to be, right, the Roe v. Wade land, right? It's, a, it's, yes. it's embedded in our constitution now. And somehow states like Florida, Mississippi, and others are very outwardly saying, no, you do not have the right to have a safe abortion when you choose to, when it's medically prescribed or when you literally are economically unable or just don't want to <laughs> have a child. So I, I share your outrage in the attack of rights for that eventually disproportionately affect poor black and brown people, right? Because yes. like, let's, let's really talk about this, you know, let's talk about how, how government affects people. It really affects those that can't travel and go to places where these things are legal, right? Or have a platform to speak out or still live their lives and have the privilege to do it. Sometimes you have to just deal with whatever your state is telling you and you don't have the resources to necessarily you know, help yourself. And it's really, it's really messed up. It's just real, real messed up. I am fired up, Bernice. <laughs> I'm, I'm very fired up. I feel my heart beating faster and faster the more we talk about this because it's like the government, they, they want their people to trust in them. But if you continue to attack your people, especially the black and brown communities, how do you expect to have us trust you. We, we can't trust you when you're, you know, signing these atrocious bills into laws. We can't trust you. And, and this is where, you know, it, I have these conversations with people that don't feel like they want to vote. And then they turn away from the polls, especially in elections like this year, midterm elections. Mm. local elections and state elections are one of the most important elections because we're directly voting for those who are going to represent us. And if we're, we're fatigued because we have a government that is not listening to us 
or not taking into consideration of what the people want, of course, we're going to feel turned off and, and walk away from the polls and not care about election day. And it's a conversation I tried to have with those that, you know, say that they don't vote um, when I'm out in the field and also try to talk to my family and friends. And I remember a couple of years ago, I had a friend and he was a, he's a part of the LGBTQ plus community. And he said that he didn't want to vote and that he didn't care about politics. And, you know, I asked him why. And then I just started telling him little by little, I don't like to force people or turn people off more than what they already are. And he started noticing like the laws being passed and what's going on with this country. And then he went out and he voted after that because he didn't like what was going on. So. Yeah. It's, sometimes you just need a friend like you, Bernice. To just <laughs> or get like you. you <laughs> <laughs> well, I am definitely one of those people that like a month before any election, I will be harassing all of my loved ones um, that are able to vote in the United States to, you know, make sure that they research their ballot. Um, you can get a sample ballot online, obviously. Um, and I'm helping them, you know, with all of those, uh, the, all of those decisions. Um, and a lot of them vote because pretty much because I tell them to uh, <laughs> social pressure works. <laughs> it really does. And we encourage all of our listeners who are as pissed off about all the things that we talk about and the and the state of the climate, which I'm not even going to get into because it's going to turn into a two hour long conversation about the fossil fuel industry and how we just don't care about our planet. Um, yeah. But just make sure that you are make sure that you are encouraging um, and being very assertive with your family and friends to go out to vote. <laughs> Um, but I guess like to go to go back to your to our imaginative world where women have rights, where kids can be whoever they want to be, wherever they are, regardless of who they are and where they come from. What do you think that um, people are doing in your imagination, right? In this world that we're creating together and imagining together, what are people doing to make it better? And what are you doing to make it better? So what I think people are doing is, of course, you know, going out and voting. <laughs> That's number one. Absolutely. Um, number two is holding their representatives accountable. If you don't like something that your local representative is doing, call them, send them an email, send them a letter, do something to hold them accountable. Um, you know, another thing is just paying a little bit more close attention to which organizations are funding what things so that we know that if there's an organization funding something atrocious, we will hold them accountable too. Yes, um, follow the money. Like we did with Disney. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You have to follow the money. You have to hold everyone that is in the situation accountable because if there's multiple people accountable, you know, we shouldn't just fire at some, just one person. We have to do it with everyone and continue on. And in this world, I also picture myself 
being a part of the front lines, you know, making sure I'm talking to members of the community and informing them of what's going on, you know, letting them know that their vote does matter, that if, if they don't vote, especially in a local or state election, that vote, you know, it, it counts on election night. That small, that, that one vote counts. So I yeah. just... People, people should look at, people should look at the 2020 election results um, and see how closely a lot of these races are won by. Um, I I remember this one race. uh, I can't remember what district um, Jose Javier Rodriguez. He was a state rep or state senator. And I'm so sorry for Miami listeners they're like, oh my God, you don't know exactly. Like you need to like research your references, Teresa. I am sorry, guys. It is Monday and it is 6 p.m. My point <laughs> is that in 2020, that race was decided by, I think, 24 votes. Wow. Like it's insane how much the phrase every vote counts is real in Florida. Um, And it is that way all across the country. You know, people can look at a presidential election and see, oh, 25,000 votes. Oh, 100,000 votes. That's not a lot of votes, you guys. At all. That's like. We probably have spoken to 100,000 people um, between Bernice and I in the past, like, four months. Um, You would be surprised how much of an impact you can have if you just talk to your loved ones and make them care. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I, I definitely can see your imagined world being a reality. I think we both believe that right at at our core. That's why we do the work that we do. Um, So I want to ask you, yeah, I want to ask you one final question that we ask all of our guests that I teased oh my <laughs> in our pre-conversation. Um, so imagine that in your city, right, there's a huge banner on the major highway and everybody in your community, everybody that you know and, and love and maybe don't like so much, <laughs> everyone <laughs> can see that banner every day while they go to work, every single day. What would that banner or that billboard say? if you had all the money in the world and you could put it up for as long as possible? Wow. That, that's, oh my gosh. It's, that's a difficult question, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many things I can say. Um, oh, what can I say in this banner? It could be a picture too, um, you know, but everybody can see it. Um, hmm. Wow, I, 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 is there multiple things that I can say or I have to choose one phrase? Well, it's one billboard. So imagine a <laughs> billboard and yeah, I mean, whatever you can fit in a billboard that is that you want to put there. Um, I think I would just have to go with something like, since we're talking about it, uh, your vote matters. Mm. And then at the bottom, like I would probably add a website where people can look and see close races 
um, in the past couple of years so that they can see that, wow, you know, um, this election could have been determined by 24 people. If just 24 people, I know 24 people would have gone out and voted and tried to show, you know, different visuals because everyone, you know, sees and learns differently and maybe a call to action, like, okay, now that you know that, you know, well, this is in the website. The The billboard is your vote matters. But I like, love it. I love a billboard that drives traffic to websites. Yeah. And then <laughs> after they go to the website and they see like a call to action of like how many people are they going to talk to about, you know, close elections and, and letting them know that their vote matters also and try to like spread it like that. It would it would be something that it's just one phrase, but it, it there's a multitude of things that come within that phrase because there's so many different things that we can talk about when we talk about a person's vote mattering in our election process. So that's what I think I would put on my billboard. I love that. I would 100% go to that website if I saw that billboard. Oh, really? While you're driving? or Yeah, I don't care. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Miami driver. So if you're from Miami, you know, you know what that means. Um, <laughs> we're, yeah, we're just like multitaskers, very chaotic energy. Um, but we, we got to, we got to places. We got to places late, but we get there. As, as long as you're safe. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't text and drive guys. Um, that's a horrible message that I would not put that in a, in a, in a highway banner. Um, uh, I love that. I love talking to you, Bernice. I loved getting to know you. Um, and I hope that everybody listening is a little bit more aware, um, and a little bit more, a little, I always think it's good to be just like a little bit pissed off about the way things are, because from that comes change. And I think if we can all put our heads together, um, to really imagine and build something that we're all, that we're all proud of and that we all feel good in, I think we'll be much, much better off. And I haven't figured out a sign off quite yet. So my sign off is, uh, goodbye. (laughs) goodbye thank you so much Teresa (laughs) thank you thank you so much for tuning into this episode we appreciate you if you haven't done so already be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast if you like the show and would like to support us make sure to go to floridarising.org and become a member until next time